Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is Mike Abadir alongside co-host Pop DiBiase. And we have a fun show today because we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. Today is Thursday, December 15th, 2022. When I say a lot of different things, we're going to be talking a little bit of World Cup, talking who are some of the best MLB free agent signings, talking NFL, all the sports that we all love. So let's get right to it. Pop, World Cup. We don't have Brazil in the finals. We don't have England in the finals. We don't have a lot of the favorites that we thought would be in the finals. But we do have France, who definitely is one of the the favorites in the finals. Morocco gave them a great run. And then we got Argentina. We got Lionel Messi, who, you know, he kind of he's still lacking that ring. What do you make of this tourney so far? You Have you enjoyed it? We had the debate as to whether it is enough of a draw for people here in the U.S. Uh, have your feelings changed about that? What are your overall impressions? I'm going to be honest with you. The moment that America went out, I I felt like they stopped showing coverage of it. To be honest with you, they stopped advertising it. They stopped talking about it um, on TV, or I just stopped paying attention, but um, I thought the tournament – I think the tournament is doing what it always does. It's a tournament, you know what I mean, and the world's here. And it's a, it's a, it's a great showcase of a great sport, you know, that they're still trying to get to America – get to the masses in America. But I think that they did a lot for the sport moving forward, you know what I mean, because a lot of people have children and their children were watching this with them as well too. And so, you know, now they tell themselves maybe this could be something that we could do. You know what I mean? Because so, you know, basketball and football and baseball sort of as well, too, you kind of got to be chosen to to get to that advanced level. You know what I mean? They, they, you just can't have a kid just come in there and try to do something. You know what I mean? It, they want a certain size. They want a certain everything. But – I truly do think that this was a really good tournament simply because the upsets. And I know a lot of people were kind of angry about uh, what happened with Brazil, but did Brazil win it in 2018? I don't think so. Did they win it in 2014? No, they did not. Brazil might be one of the more overhyped teams ever, to be honest with you. Um, and them losing was actually pretty good for the tournament because the tournament wasn't formful. And then you had a team like Morocco become – the Cinderella somewhat of this situation because the emotion they kept pouring out after every win. And, you know, they were up against against France. They weren't going to probably, they weren't ever going to beat France, but they, 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 they tried, they tried their, they tried and they were there. And I'm still kind of upset about the Dutch, man. I think the Dutch would have been, it would have been awesome seeing the Dutch playing this championship game because I know if they don't lose to Argentina, they don't lose to anybody else either. You know what I mean? I think that they're probably the team that would have gave uh, France some real fear. But I think that Argentina is actually on a pretty good roll. But I think with the way that they 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 were kind of show, showboating a little bit uh, with the Netherlands and, you know, Messi having his little issue after the Mexico, Mexico game because of Canelo, um, everything is saying that the sports gods are not going to let them win. But I was still betting on Sunday. I, I, I'm betting whoever the dog is, Mike. You know me. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you make an interesting point about Brazil. Is Brazil overrated? I think that's a very fair question. When you look at it historically, Brazil won most of the World Cups between 1958 and 1970. Since 1970, so what is that, 52 years ago? Mm -hmm. They've won it twice. Not bad, better than the U.S., but definitely not like domination or anything. Right. Here's the thing, too, that people have to consider. The old format had between 13 and 16 teams. 
13 and 16 teams. Old format. Now we're at 32. We're going to 48. You have to wonder if all these numbers drown out Brazil a little bit. Like, they could probably dominate when they've got 12 other teams to face. They're not even facing all of them anyways. Some of those teams are getting eliminated by somebody else. So when you have to go through less rounds and less opponents, you know, now maybe somebody can combat that and say, well, you have better opponents when you're only a 12-team tournament, kind of like college football playoff where you have just the best four teams beating up each other. But again, I think they kind of get drowned out a little bit when they're in a huge field, and it's only going to get bigger, Pop. Like I said, it's going to be a field of 48 next year or next World Cup, which really is only in three and a half years because we're in the middle of, you know, I was going to say winter, but technically late fall uh, here in, in, in the U.S. and in Qatar, of course, but it's going to be in the summer three and a half years from now. So it's kind of around the corner, but nonetheless, field of 48, I, I don't think that Brazil is worthy of favoritism just because they're Brazil. Right, right. You know, because it's like the NCAA tournament. When you have, say, I'm going to use this just cross-reference, say a Kentucky, and they got if they come in every year and they're ready to crown Kentucky the next uh, national championship because the way Calipari, um, not the last recent years, but the way Calipari recruits, he recruits to win championships. It's that simple, you know? And so everybody's going to have this love affair with the team that is always recruiting to win championships. And I think that Brazil has a, a certain style of play that everybody really gets involved with, but, I think that they're really overrated, to be honest with you. I think that Argentina has been more consistent than they have and since I've been watching this since 94. Like, Brazil was really good the first year. Like, they were, like, the ultimate team because they had all those legends playing for them. You know, all those guys, like, what it was, Fernando and all those guys playing for them. So that was, um, you know, good. That was good theater. You know what I mean, Mike? And uh, I think now it's different because the world is so skilled at soccer, you know what I mean? And everybody's so good and everybody is, is these guys play for these clubs, but then they play for another club right after that. So soccer is almost like a, uh, all year sport for a lot of these guys. And I just feel like maybe Brazil was a little tired, but what I don't like in sports and especially in team sports, they always want to put it on one person, Mike. You know, like, oh, Argentina, the only way they could win is if Messi scores a goal. No, they don't need that Messi to necessarily score a goal to win the game. Same thing they were doing with uh, Brazil. Like, oh, my God, Neymar got hurt, so they're done. How are they done? And they got, like, 13 other guys that are skilled enough to make a goal, too. That doesn't make any sense. But we do that in football. We do that with basketball. And uh, it's starting to happen in baseball as well, too. A guy told me, well, you know, uh, uh, Aaron Judge is out, so I can't trust the Yankees. What are you talking about? It's baseball. You know what I mean? Like, Mike, it's, it's baseball. It's football. It's a team sport. It's next man up. What is wrong with you? This is not peewee. This is not the peewee league. This is not little kids over at, uh, at, over at the park playing AYSO. It doesn't work like that, man. If you're skilled and you're top, if you're a top player, you're trusted to do, to help them win the game. It's that simple. And I think that, you know, let's not get into that that to that that thinking that one person is the end all be all for any of these teams, man. At the end of the day, you know what I mean. We've seen teams win a full championship with their best player out. You know what I mean? I.e., uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, because at the time he was supposedly their best player, Carson Wentz. He goes out, they win a Super Bowl. So you know, I just really feel like we have to make sure that we appreciate what we're watching you know what i mean and appreciate the other people that are involved with this as well too and understand that these guys love their teammates and they're not they're not putting themselves ahead of the team because if they did that they wouldn't even show up for this you know what i mean because think about it messi messi already plays in the toughest league in the world 
and he's coming out here to come play for Argentina. He doesn't have to play for Argentina. He doesn't owe them anything, but he's playing it, doing doing it for the pride of his country. You know what I mean? And he's doing it to play with his brotherhood. You know, and I think that's what I get out the most with the World Cup about how united these countries are when these guys are playing together. And this is why it's hard for me. And I, I love the USA. I love my country. But when it comes to this this World Cup, they're so tough to root for because you can just see the kind of snobbiness in them and the kind of like that. Oh, well, you know, it's soccer and we should be able to, to win this because we're America. No, 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 no. We need to get, I think America needs to figure out a way to get a, a more athletic. You know what I mean? Because it seems like when they got athletes, they're a really, really good team. But they need to figure out how to get more athletic. And they need to figure out how to get the same pizzazz that uh, these fellas have as well, too, Mike. You know what I mean? Like the Messi's and the uh, Neymar's and the Ronaldo's. We have nobody like that in America. You know what I mean? I know they probably used to try to say Landon Donovan. No, 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 no. Landon Donovan was 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 above average in my opinion. He was he was okay. You know what I mean? I would I would say Alexi Lawless and um what's my other guy's name? My guy played for the Galaxy, uh Dreads. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Kobe Jones? Yeah, Kobe Jones. I think Kobe Jones was the, those guys. See, that '94 team had a lot of swag. They were fun to watch. You want to get behind that because these guys were killing it over in overseas, and then they loved playing for America. They wanted to get. They believed that they could get America a title. The rest of these guys never believed they could get us a title. They just be like, "Well, hopefully we make it to the uh, knockout stage." You know, and it when they show that they have, uh, when they show us that they're excited about winning and things like that, I think we'll get more into the sport. But when they just have already handed it over to these elite teams, then what's the interest for us? You make a lot of sense, man. Let me address something that you were talking about, though, which is kind of like that focus on one key guy you know the Lionel Messi or you know uh the superstar of the team and putting all the weight on him and I'm going to try to explain it for for a minute here I think a lot of that has to do with the following I think that some teams strategy is to feed the ball to a certain guy your top scorer so it's now on him to put the ball in the net if our whole strategy is about pushing the ball up, creating space, and then finding a way to get it to our best guy, then that guy is going to be shouldering, you know, he's going to get the accolades when they win, and he's going to be scrutinized when they don't win. And I think that's just kind of the way it is. It's kind of like the quarterback in football because he touches the ball on every play, right? Or maybe a starting pitcher who touches the ball on every play. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's right. And I do agree with you that it requires, you know, all nine guys in baseball, all 11 guys in soccer, so on and so forth. But I'm just saying, I think it's because the strategies are to funnel the ball to these top scores. And by and large, this tournament has been about the top scores for the most part. If you've got a striker who can score from anywhere at any time, those teams typically have done the best. And I think the classic example of that is Mbappé from France. I mean, that that brother, I mean, he's got to be the best player in the world at this point because he could do it all. He's been super impressive to me, and he's got the speed. He's got the power. He's got the strength. He's got the mental toughness. He can do corner kicks. You know, he can do... Uh, you know, be a part of the strategy in corner kicks. He could be a part of uh, shootouts and penalty kicks. And, you know, I've seen him do it all in this tournament. So that's probably why France is there. They've got a top striker. Would have liked to have seen Egypt with Mo Salah and see what he would have been able to do. Um, you know, but again, I think having a top striker like uh, Christian Pulisic is a requirement if you're going to advance. And the better your striker is, then the more you feed him the ball. It's kind of like maybe pounding the ball down low to Shaquille O'Neal or something. 
you know, we've got a dominant player who's unstoppable. Let's feed him the ball. You know what I mean, Pop? Yeah, I know. And it's I, I know what you're pretty much telling me. And I know it's just you got to see, you got to make sure the star is on the TV screen. I get that part. And that's great. And that's why I think uh, France won last time because they really didn't do it. They didn't really glorify Mbappe. I think Mbappe even got hurt in the uh, process as well, too. But um, I know that we do have to uh, take a quick commercial break um, in a moment. But it's on your cue, Mike. I don't want to just 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 jump in like that. <laughs> no, no, it's all good, man. It's all good. We 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 got a we got a moment still, but uh, I, I want to uh, touch on on one other thing, which is, and you already know this. The listeners already know this. We are going to have one winner and one loser, so it's pretty obvious. Either Mbappe is going to lose or win. Messi is either going to lose or win. Are we really going to build a narrative based on outcomes that we already know? And then just push it and push it and push it further. You know, Lionel Messi can't win the big one or Mbappe choked. I mean, those are going to be the headlines. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and that's the thing that's unfortunate about what you're talking about, putting that weight on one person. It's not fair because it requires the teamwork. It requires the goalie to get some saves. It requires the fullbacks to be able to come back in time and cut off the angles for the scorers and to push the ball upfield and the halfbacks to be well-conditioned to be able to be play on both sides of the midline, And, of course, the strikers to be in position so that when they're fed the ball to score. A lot of teamwork involved, Pop. So um, just like this radio show, a lot of teamwork is involved. It's not just you and I, people behind the scenes like my man Josh. And we're getting the cue to take a quick timeout. So why don't we do so? We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk some MLB signings because the hot stove has been cooking. A lot of amazing, interesting moves in the world of baseball. Stay with us, everyone. We will be right back after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Now, I mentioned that the field in, in soccer, and I just have one more thing about soccer before we move on to baseball. I mentioned that the field is going to expand to 48 teams. 
the thing I'm wondering is, and we we keep saying that the tournament is in the U.S., which which it is, but it's also going to be uh, in Mexico and Canada. It's really a North American World Cup. Forty-eight teams means a lot of stadiums. We can handle it here in the U.S. because we have so many baseball and football venues, right? And a couple of purely soccer venues as well. But in terms of packing the seats, you know, you got some baseball and football venues where you could do that all across the country. How are they going to do that in another country, right? So 2026 is ours. So let's look ahead to 2030. And we don't uh, need to spend a lot of time on it, but just looking ahead to 2030, you know, if if it's in England or in France or something, they don't have enough stadiums. How the heck is that going to happen? So it's kind of interesting that they expanded the field. And one of the reasons, by the way, is political that they expanded the field. They wanted to make sure that Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. are automatically in. And really, the only way to do that was to expand the field. So I don't know if the listeners know this or not, but we've already made it to the World Cup. We don't need to qualify, we being the U.S., our friends down south in Mexico, same thing. Friends up north in Canada, same thing. These have automatically qualified as being the host nation. Nations, plural. So just wanted to point that out, Pop, before we move on to the hot stove. Any thoughts about that? Or are you ready to talk some baseball? Well, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm ready to talk some baseball. But just real quick on the 48 uh, teams, I don't know what the point of that is. I know that they want to take they want to uh, take advantage of the situation, but you might just be adding sixteen more teams that that literally when you only they, I feel like they only advertise four teams in the in the tournament, really two. You know what I mean? Brazil and Argentina, and then you got the Europe. Team, you got Europe. You know what I mean? And so, what are we gonna do now? We're gonna add in like some another third world country or something like that that doesn't have a chance to win this tournament. You I know think they're I mean? adding three more African teams and like New Zealand or some crap like that. Okay, okay, all right. I thought well, wouldn't New Zealand already be a part of it? Like they would have to be being the American uh, class of things, right? Yeah, I just think they. It's just it is a. It must be the money. That's all that is. Absolutely, okay. man. And, and and then they're going to get, I think, three more European teams. They've they've broken it up kind of like regionally. Um, but to be honest with you, man, I was really surprised to find out that Morocco had gone the farthest of any African team. I was like, yeah. man, really? What about like Cameroon and, and some of these teams from a long time ago? I thought they went on like crazy good runs. Uh, maybe that's just my imagination. No. But I was really surprised to find out that nobody had made it this far from the continent of Africa. I'm glad it happened. I thought thought Nigeria actually went to the final four in 94 because they went far. They were so good too. Yeah. There's been every world cup. It seems like there's like a Ghana or a Cameroon or Ivory coast or somebody that Nigeria is some team from Africa that gets far. I thought, but um, maybe it just, when time goes on, it seems that those teams that maybe we fall in love with during the tourney, uh, maybe in our minds, it just seems that they went one step farther than they actually did. I don't know. But nonetheless, uh, props to Morocco. I think Africa hopefully has bridged the gap a little bit. And the reason I say hopefully, it's not like I'm siding with any one area or another, but I like underdogs. I like teams that haven't done it before and see them have an opportunity beyond just the teams from Europe and South America, right? It'd be nice to see other countries sprinkled in there. Um, so that's kind of my take on it, Pop. I feel I feel, I definitely feel that. Now let's we all love a dog. Absolutely, man. I know you you're 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 Mr. Underdog. So when it comes to wagering at least. Um, speaking of wagering, a, a hot bet always is going to be the Los Angeles Dodgers until they prove not to be the king of the West. What do you think yeah. of uh, last night's signing, Noah Syndergaard? Well, uh, Thor is a great option. You know, five years ago or what it was, six years ago or seven years ago when the Mets went to the world championship, 
Thor and DeGrom were seen as the best duo in pitching, pretty much. And I know no Syndergaard has been dealing with that that arm injury, so he wasn't going to be the same pitcher he was a few years ago at the you know in his later his last year in New York and the split time that he did in LA and and well not in LA I mean in Anaheim and Philadelphia last year but he played in the World Series his second one of his career he actually pitched pretty good in the World Series as well too and I think that he was he he really started getting good again when he got to Philadelphia because he knew he was in a winning situation and he was all for it, you know what I mean, at the end of the day. So I truly do think that what happens here is that he's going to be a real, real relief to the Dodgers in either the third, fourth, or fifth hole pitching because we know the first two spots are going to be Urias and Kershaw. I don't know who's the – we know that Kershaw is the ace, but Urias will be seen as the de facto – he'll probably start opening day is Urias. And then we got Dustin May coming back around full circle. I, I think Dustin May was was not was really good the first few games back because he was in a rhythm and people had to get used to him used to him being back. But I think that with his injury the way it worked, I think that they rushed him back from the minors a bit too quickly. He should have probably just sat out the rest of the year and came back next season. And I think with that, he can make some adjustments and he'll be fine. And Gosselin will be good as well, good again. And then they do have Shelby Miller as well, too. You know, nobody's talking about that. So you got Shelby Miller, who was a really good pitcher a few years back as well, too. So uh, he might be he might figure out figure into that uh, starting rotation as well, too. But the Dodgers start rotation. I love it. Uh, it's just it's who did they, they lost literally nobody like if you if if people want to go crazy um his name is on the tip of my tongue but he just signed with the angels um the guy who we had pitching in game four like i know a lot of people were like man we should have kept him oh anderson bro anderson look anderson's great but anderson played played in pittsburgh and they were he wasn't that good in pittsburgh Mark Pryor was a big reason why he became a better pitcher this year. He doesn't have Mark Pryor going to the Angels next year. So it's probably going to be an Angels bust situation. Dodgers were never going to pay that guy. So that's why he went to the Angels. So pretty much there's nothing against Anderson either. Anderson did a great job, but Anderson was blessed with a lot of great uh, run support as well too. You know what I mean? So the Dodgers, the pitching is already legit. We know this, Mike. There's nothing wrong with the Dodgers pitching at all. The problem with the Dodgers is, is is converting runs for those pitchers. That's my biggest issue right now. And getting Jason Hayward was cool because at least he has a ring. And, and it's a good locker room guy. Even though he's on a minor league deal, we know that the Dodgers are really pushing towards him being on the regular roster. That's why he puts you on a minor league deal because they got to pay you a certain price. And they can't pay you the price that you actually – made before you got to him because Hayward was a big money signing when he was in uh when he was with the Cardinals and with the Cubs. You know what I mean? They they he got paid a lot of money. And at one point in time he was seen as the future of the MLB as well too. So he could be like how Mad Kemp was when he came back around and was kind of on, on his last leg and everything like that. So the Dodgers to me are in good shape moving forward. I just think that uh, Dodger fans just really, really want to have a, another reason to be and moan. You know what I mean? I'm not going to cuss. But, you know, it's just because that's what they do. You know what I mean? they when, the, when they won the World Series, people were still complaining about things after the World Series. You know what I mean? That's just Dodger fans for you. That's Laker fans for you. That's just L.A. fans in general. Like, they have to be able to com- complain about something. You know what I mean? And I think that's exactly what's going on. The Dodgers uh, fan base has been so spoiled with all these monster signings the last few years. And then when they don't get Aaron Judge, and they don't get uh, who else was it? Uh, Xander Bogarts and all these other guys. Oh, my God, it's, it's over. They don't care anymore. They don't want to be a good team anymore. Dude, the Dodgers have the deepest farm system in all of baseball. Who 
cares. They have and they have ready-made players right now. The Dodgers have literally have six all-stars that were waiting in the wings. Friedman knows what he's doing. He used to do the same. He just went back into his bag that he had over in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay used to do this all the time. Tampa Bay got rid of some of the biggest stars in the MLB over a 10-year stretch. All these guys were really great players, and they all got paid. They all got paid, but they they got paid because the Tampa Bay couldn't pay them. The Dodgers don't have that same situation. If you earn your money, they're going to pay you. And if you don't really earn your money and they paid you, then they'll let you walk on down the road, Cody Bellinger. So, you know, it is what it is at the end of the day. The Dodgers did not lose the the key players that you need to move forward and be a great team this season. Even though Cody Bellinger was a great locker room guy and I'm going to miss him, you know what? You haven't been hitting the ball well lately. You know what I mean? And I think that he'll probably bounce back in Chicago like most people do, and then he'll get his paper next year, and the Dodgers will probably call him back up and sign him again. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of good things that uh, uh, moving forward for the Dodgers. I just want to be the positive person here about the Dodgers because I really did not like the way that the 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 public perception of the Dodgers not doing anything. Why does the team have to do anything when they had a $250 million uh uh, uh, payroll and they got to pay a luxury tax every year. At some point, you have to give your ownership group and the people that pay these guys a breather. You know what I mean? And the Yankees are literally doing are almost doing the same exact thing even though they made a big signing with Judge. They don't want to keep spending a whole lot of money on nothing either. So, you know, that's just my, just my two cents on what's going on with the Blue Crew, uh, Mike. Let's go up the road to I-5 north and get to san francisco and talk about what our neighbors up uh up the coastline are doing started off kind of slow and okay. they we all thought that maybe they swung and missed on judge and that the consolation prize was a big step down to mitch hanniger but what the upper brass is doing was more slow and and with a uh, a methodology behind it that now we can look at it in totality and we see Sean Manaya, We see Ross Stripling, former Dodger mentioned already, Mitch Hanniger. They got Carlos Correa. I don't know if they've done enough to elevate themselves to the Padres and Dodgers levels of talent. But I think they've done pretty well for themselves, Pop, especially for a team that kind of seemingly had a quiet offseason. But I think they've really put together some nice pieces. What say you? I think that the Giants did exactly what the Giants were supposed to do. You know what I mean? Giants want to build around that pitching staff that, again, another great pitching staff. You know what I mean? And the Dodgers – and I'm going to just, like I said on my show – the other day when I talked about the Carlos Carrera signing, the Giants needed a big name signing, a big name star to just boost their confidence a little bit. It kind of reminds me of when they went after Barry Bonds. You know what I mean? They just had to go get somebody, spend some money, so then they can go ahead and and show the fans that they're trying to win. And then we got a guy that you're going to buy a lot of jerseys of as well, too. And then, top it off, this guy is absolutely public enemy number one to our rival, the Dodgers. So how fun is that to have a guy that hates this team as much as we do? So it all works out. It makes the rivalry with the Dodgers even more intense. And I know everybody, Padre this, Padre that. I'm going to tell you like this. The Padres, if they if they let that man – Fernando Tatis getting that dugout and be a fool that and none of it's going to work. None of it's going to work seriously because he's already getting bad. They're already talking a lot about how he's not a good dugout guy. And I can sense a big blow up coming from a Manny Machado and him again. So, you know, I don't know how great the Padres are going to be because they're a little combustible that team because, you know, is a lot of machismo going on now over there. And so, 
you want to make you want to you want to say okay they're going to be great but this team has all the signs of imploding if just one thing goes wrong i can't say that about the dodgers and the giants to be honest with you right well i think that's probably a big reason why they got xander bogarts cuz he's you know he goes back to the big poppy days so he knows how to be a teammate amongst superstars you know, he's been a part of a couple of World Series championships. And I think I've never heard a single bad thing about Xander Bogarts on or off the field. Not a single bad thing. I've only heard of him being a really, really good teammate. And I think a part of the money that they shelled out for Xander is for his leadership and lead by example type style. So you have to wonder, like now you have really, really young superstar hitters in Juan Soto and in uh, Tatis. And now surrounded, it's balanced out a little bit with elder veterans like Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts. I would think that they would keep them in line, but I don't know for sure. What I do know is that we've gone way over pop for the next commercial break. So let's take our final time out. We'll come back, finish the conversation, talk some National Football League right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. During the commercial break, we are talking a little bit about me being disgruntled about what the Red Sox are doing, and it looks like they've uh, maybe excuse the expression, blown their wad last year on uh, Trevor Story rather than signing some of these other guys. So we were talking about some of the Rockies players who've gone on and, and not done so well. We were we were trying to think of somebody, um, and I remember who it is, Pop, that we were thinking about. It's Larry Walker. He's the oh. one that went over to St. Louis from the Rockies before Nolan Arenado did. So I think that's who we were trying to come up with is Nolan and Arenado. I was Larry Walker. Larry Walker Larry Walker been out of the league for a while, Mike. He's been out of the league for a minute. That's for damn sure. Right. Um, and you got and he was an expo too. He was an expo. And that's a whole separate conversation about the expos. Ninety four expos. You already know the greatest team that never won a World Series. Boy, I know, oh boy, man. what a team, man. Ken Hill. That's all I gotta say. Ken Hill was they awesome. were they were stacked, man. 
and and that logo was so classic man i wish they would uh I, I, I wish that they would find a way to bring it back i like the expos more than i like the nationals well greedy owners man that's all you can say mike their their owner is the was the former owner of the marlins so just 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 get that any trade well how can montreal as a town though even not support the only baseball team that they've got you know i mean that's yeah that's a whole separate story pop well we'll maybe do another show about the montreal expos and canadian love or lack of love for baseball we'll save that for another time in the meantime there's there are a lot of baseball moves that we didn't get to but we'll have a long off season to be able to break them all down and talk about them up through spring training. We'll probably spend a lot of time on it after the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl. We have that like one month period there where the only thing going on is NBA and there'll be some time to talk baseball up until spring training all the way through spring training. MLB season this year starts earlier than ever before. We're actually going to be getting regular season games that count in March, late March. So that's kind of cool. But we'll circle back with that when the time opens up for us to be able to do so. In the meantime, we've got a big NFL game tonight, Seahawks and the 49ers. I was actually of the opinion that the Seahawks were going to find a way to win this division. That's until they lost to Carolina home last week. Niners are the hottest team. It seems like the quarterback issue maybe has gotten better after injuries. I don't know. But who do you think is the best team in the NFC right now? I, I mean, the Eagles look pretty unstoppable, and I like the fact that they've got a defense. Cowboys are putting up points, and they definitely have a defense. The Niners kind of put up some points, and they've got a defense. The defense is in the NFC. Well, you know, Mike, you on a trip about who I feel like is the scrappiest because – I know this sounds crazy, but I don't care what anybody has to say. Minnesota has been through enough wars this year, but, but I know what everybody's going to say, though. But Minnesota got the took to the woodshed by both the, the Eagles and the Cowboys. And I would say this. The Cowboys are – this is probably the Cowboys' best opportunity to win a Super Bowl. It truly is. There is really no obstacle in their way except for possibly Philadelphia. And I think having a rematch with Minnesota, the way they beat up on Minnesota, Minnesota would be ready for them this time around in that rematch. You know what I mean? I think that they were dealing with a team that was tired. They had won, what, like eight in a row by that point as well, too. And then, you know, they just got cooked. It's all good. It happens. You know what I mean? And so – I truly do think, though, when we really look at the reality of the situation, if I was to choose today, I say Philadelphia because they are they are literally miles ahead of teams, and they have who I feel, and I know I sound like all the other talking heads, but I feel Jalen Hurts is the MVP of the NFL right now. Even though I thought Josh Allen was a no-brainer and the front-runner for it, by about week six or so when he started throwing some interceptions, then, I, okay, I kind of knew. But I thought when he beat Mahomes in the head-to-head that he had sealed the deal for the MVP. But that's okay because they want to win the Super Bowl. I ain't worried about no MVP. So Jalen Hurts right now is the best leader in football because he's leading a team without needing to be the, the end-all, be-all of the offense. He, he's just – another vessel that gets them through these games. And I think that they are all running on, uh, you know, they're running on a great high right now. The only thing that I question Philly about is the head coach. That's it. Because I don't know how good he's going to be when the pressure's really on. Because when he had some pressure on him in the Washington game, they fell apart. And pretty much I have the same feeling that could be the playoffs as well, too. You know, For me, I've always said that one of the tests of maturity of a team is how do they handle the pressure of winning on the road? How do they handle the adversity of winning on the road? And Philadelphia is 6-0. They're the only team that's unbeaten on the road. So, so far, so good in terms of that litmus test. They've passed. Um, 
I think they probably have the division in hand, and I think that's going to be really, really big. You know, teams going into Philadelphia in January, that's not easy sledding. That's for damn sure. I agree with you on Hurts. The interesting thing about it is there were a lot of people that were unconvinced that he's an NFL quarterback not that long ago. Uh, but he's now more than solidified that he's an NFL quarterback. He's MVP candidate, probably the MVP front runner, probably the one that's deserving of MVP status more than anybody else. I think Philadelphia might be able to uh, pull off a 16-win season, man, and go 16-1, and one, which would be really remarkable. I mean, the, that's like in his history territory there. Um, and if they get that, then he's a shoe-in for the MVP award. But I want to say one other thing, which is kind of interesting to me, which is outside of Buffalo and Kansas City, there really aren't any like top to bottom good teams in AFC yet coming into the season, we thought that the NFC was so, so, and that the AFC was the power conference. It's kind of flipped a little bit, man. Cause outside of Buffalo and Kansas city, I'm not seeing it, but yet in the NFC, you've got some newcomers, you know, Dallas and Philadelphia, you know, uh, you mentioned Minnesota, uh, San Francisco 49ers, you know, the Seahawks are sneaky. You know, when Geno Smith is on, Detroit Lions are kind of surging right now. And somebody's got to win the NFC South, man. And it's probably going to be based on defense because Tampa, who has six wins, is a defensive team. New Orleans, who has four wins, is a defensive team. Carolina and Atlanta don't really have an identity, but they got five wins. So every team is within two games of one another. That's that. You know what that's a formula for, Pop? Or upset in the playoffs when everybody's like, oh, that team's under 500. They're not going to win anything. And then they go in and surprise somebody and win. That's NFL for you. You know what I mean? Right. And peep this. Carolina has the lead in the situation with the Bucks. So just say this. If the Bucks want to keep losing and they get swept by the uh, by the Panthers, then the Panthers wind up winning the uh, South. If they can go ahead and say go two and two in their next three and four, three win their next three out of four, I would say that would be remarkable after getting rid and, of their starting quarterback to start the year and their all world running back to start the year. Wouldn't that be something, man, if they made it to the playoffs? Well, Cam Newton pulled off the same thing a few years back. Remember that? They were after he got, remember when he got to the car wreck? And yeah. Cam- they were like four and eight or something like that, or five and eight. They wound up getting to the playoffs and winning in the playoffs as well, too. Yeah, those are the things. Yeah, man, crazy stuff, huh? So, Absolutely. That's the NFL for you. That's all I can say is that's the NFL for you. So I truly feel like, you know, the, you got a good point with that. We thought AFC was going to be a lot better because I thought the AFC West was going to be murderer's row. But that it, I keep it real though, both the AFC East and both the AFC uh, NFC East are have all four of their teams hovering around the playoffs right now. That's incredible because at one point the whole NFC East was in. You know, um, I think right now that's the case too. Is that the whole NFC East is still in? You know, so. That's nuts. And then we had three te- three out of the four teams in the uh, in the AFC, and and then you have the Patriots there as well too, and the Jets. So really, you got four in on their side as well too. That's crazy, you know what I mean? But nobody's gonna catch. You know, we got two of the better teams coming out of the North this year. You know what I mean? With the Baltimore and with Cincinnati, because Baltimore is gonna make the playoffs. Cincinnati's gonna make the playoffs. Bills, Chiefs are going to make the playoffs, but those last two spots is where it gets really crazy. You know what I mean? So you're going to, you, you have that spot that's going to be probably between three of the NFC East teams, and one of them is going to make it because I think the Chargers snatched that seventh spot. With the wrong. back on the point that you're making, oh, I'm sorry, were you, were you having more to add? Uh, just one little point. Oh, yeah, point. go for it. Through all the controversy the Chargers have had this year and, and all the, the the shortcomings that they've had, this team will figure out a way to get to the playoffs this year. Okay. Well, that, it would really probably come down to them or New England, right? 
uh, as of right now, at least. And just to piggyback on your thought, you are correct. If the season ended today, Philadelphia would be the one seed. And then five, six, and seven seeds would go to Dallas, Washington, and the New York Giants. That'd be remarkable, man. That entire division gets to the playoffs. It's funny because coming into this year, I thought a good chance for that to happen. There was a good chance for that to happen, but in the NFC West, right, with with the Niners, Rams, you know, Cardinals, Seahawks, that type of thing, uh, it just shows you how what we thought we knew and what we actually do know are two different things. Uh, man, as as fellow Raider guys, definitely reeling after that Rams loss. It's really a shame because had they won that game, they would still have legitimate opportunity to get in. Now they've got like too much of an uphill battle. They have to root for a lot of teams to lose, and then they're going to have to be near perfect. It's going to be tough for them. I still think the head coach is a big problem for them. I hope that they move off of him. I don't ever root for or against people's jobs, but I think he's just in over his head, man. He's shown that time and time again. We've only got a minute to go here. So why don't you uplift us a little bit with some of your plays of the week? You got a player or two, Pop? All right, let's go ahead, and I'm going to get you guys your Cure Bowl bet because I don't have my uh, bets ready for uh, Saturday yet for college, for college football. But one thing I will give you, though, I am ready for tomorrow. I'm going to give you guys Troy Moneyline uh, for sure tomorrow, my, minus 125. They're in a tough game, but I think Troy beats San Antonio. And then my dog bet of the week this week is going to be the Falcons at plus 165 in the Saints game. Oh, interesting. Yes, sir. Let's get okay. it. Desmond Ritter, let's go. The Desmond Ritter era has begun, Mike. <laughs> well, Mariota, obviously, there's a story there because he took off on the team, man. Some people say it's because he had to have surgery. Other people say it's because his feelings are about hurt because he was going to be benched. Truth probably lies somewhere in the middle there. Uh, I'm going to take the Colts getting four and a half in Minnesota. Seems like the Colts, when you least expect them to perform, have performed kind of decently. And then when you expect them to win, they don't. It's kind of an opposites team. I'm also going to take the Cleveland Browns at home minus two and a half. I think Deshaun Watson has a couple games under his belt. I think we're going to see him be, see signs more of him being the Deshaun of old, still young enough. He just needed to get his legs underneath him. So those are my two plays for the weekend. Pop, as always, thank you for joining the show. Good luck on your plays this weekend. Happy holidays to you and your family. We'll do this again next week. And as always, thank you to the listeners. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.